everybody. This is Noelle. And I'm Jenna. And this is More Than Murder, where we delve into everything eerie with a side of true crime. More Than Murder is not your typical true crime podcast. Join us on a weekly tour through the haunted, the bloody, the creepy, and the nutty on our Freaky Fridays. Well, hello there. Hi. It is a beautiful 50 degree day. We in New York love those days. Yeah. (laughs) Feels like summertime. It is. When it's been. February 24th. Yep. And it's 50, so poor planet. Good for us, but poor planet today. Um, Yeah, yeah. Because that's not right, but (laughs) we're not going to get into, you know, climate change today. Yeah, I'm also, don't judge me, listeners, I'm going to take down my Christmas lights outside for... (laughs) For finally. Finally. (laughs) Yeah. It's just been cold and snowy. Yeah, they've been buried under snow. Sure. Wink, wink, we'll wink, We'll say wink. that. It's also February, <laughs> almost March, and yeah. my outdoor decorations are still up, but they're coming down today. But they're more like winter decorations sometimes, like, than Christmas. And they haven't been lit up. Yeah. Like, we took that away for, like, probably a month now, so they've just been sitting there yeah. looking like just garlands. I think, like, winter decorations fine. I do have, like, snowmen and stuff out. Yeah, I mean, that's not that's winter. just Christmas. No, yeah, no, no. Snowmen you build during all of winter. So. And that's why no one can yell at me for decorating early, because I try to put out my wintry stuff first. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, it's like, okay, it's the day after Thanksgiving, let's decorate for Christmas. Oh, yeah. Oh, of yeah. course. <laughs> oh, all right. Same here. We got to get our tree right after Thanksgiving. Oh, all the time. All the time. Actually, lately it's been before, because Thanksgiving's been, like, later. Yeah, it depends on the year. It does depend on the year, definitely. All right. Yeah, so what do we got today, Noelle? Today, I have a story about a gross killer couple. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. I didn't know a whole lot about them, and I'm just going to put a trigger warning out there for um, rape and torture because that is part of this couple's abhorrent grossness. You've been warned. Yes, you have been warned. <laughs> um, so, Judith and Alvin Neely. Alvin. 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 We'll be talking about Judith and Alvin Neely today. Can we sound any more New York? <laughs> How else are you supposed to say Alvin? Al- Alvin? Is it Alvin? I don't know. I mean, we just say Alvin. We just hit the A a little hard. Alvin. Alvin. <laughs> like my dad, Al. Like it's yeah, just, you know. Alvin. <laughs> but Al was a blessing and Alvin Neely was not. No. So. No, I can already tell this guy is garbage. He is a fucking creep. Oh, great. By the I way, know. I love you, Mom and Dad. My mom said the other day, I love your podcast, but someone swears like a sailor. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, you know, there's a lot of things I could be putting out there on the internet, and if swear words are all you gotta hear, you yep. should be pretty damn proud. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, they're no non-swearers either. They're just not used to hearing me swear so much. Yeah. And, and the F word so much. My dad was very, very kind of against it. He wouldn't censor us, of course, yeah. but he would make it's it just, known if we were throwing off F-bombs. And it wasn't like, no. like, you know, it's not no. proper or courteous. No, you know? no, but, but I, I got him out. It's 2021 now. <laughs> I have been swearing like a sailor since, what, 10th grade? It's just a form of expression. We're not swearing uh-huh. at anybody or calling nope. anybody names, nope. so I'm just using descriptive nope. words, you know? And I mean, I remember when my sister was younger, she'd stub her toe and every <laughs> swear word would come out of her mouth. <laughs> 
So I learned from the best. I used to be pretty good at, at using, you know, other words instead. Like, when I wanted to say mother, I'd say mother, father. Yes, yes, <laughs> but, yep. You know, no longer does that happen as often. It just so. comes out. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry, guys. If you don't like it, then... Well, my mom and dad know. Like I said, there's a lot of other things I could be putting out there, and cuss words are it, so... Yeah, sometimes you just need a good expletive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Especially right. when you're talking about this. Exactly. This, this That's why I told out him. the expletive. I was like, well, you. we're talking about fucked up stuff. So, what do you, yep. you know, it's yep. just, it is. So, let's keep going with this fucked up story. Let's go. I'm ready. All right. Gross. Alvin Neely was born on July 15th, 1953 in Georgia. And Judith Ann Adams was born on June 7th, 1964 in Tennessee. Okay. So okay. there was an 11-year age gap between the two. That's all right. That's all which right. Which is fine. Except. So, Alvin was already a troublemaker through his teens and apparently, like, stealing cars and committing um, petty crimes. So, Alvin gets married as a young adult and has three kids with his wife. I don't really know how old he was when he first got married with this one woman. Okay. Because Judith has more of a rough home life with an alcoholic father. He was drunk one night, got on his motorcycle, and ended up getting in an accident that killed him when Judith was only nine. So I don't know much about her mom. I couldn't find anything... Really on it. Surprisingly, there was not a whole lot I could find on either Judith or Alvin's early childhood, which huh. I really like to get into that because yeah, you can really see where the psychology yep. comes from. Yep, same. But literally, Maybe there just wasn't anything of note. Yeah, it's so weird. Every single source said just the same thing. I mean, they even just used the Wikipedia as a source every single one to talk yeah. about what they were like, and there was only a small paragraph on each one. Yeah, so maybe her and dad. So, Maybe they weren't bad kids. Yeah. The only thing of note. Yeah. And then Alvin was just getting into trouble in his teens, you know, like some teens do. Yep. Yep. And took it a little far. So in 1980, by the time Judith was 15 years old and Alvin was 26, they met somewhere, not too sure where. Oh. And he decided to leave his wife and children behind to elope with Judith. Okay, age differences are one thing, but you gotta wait until they yeah. are consenting I mean, adults. That's just disgusting. <laughs> that is so that's why 14? I said. That's why I said, yeah, except. So except, yeah, she she was yeah. fifteen years old and Alvin was twenty six, and they literally met and eloped. So she she like, I mean, eleven years her her senior. This this like, girl is hey, still damn. impressionable. Yeah. Oh. oh, this girl is still very impressionable mm-hmm. and. You know, the fact that he already has been committing crimes, and he's obviously not a good person for this young girl. Impressionable girl. Yeah, and the fact that he even found her interesting as a 26-year-old man, it's just absolutely gross and Ugh. disgusting. Yeah, that's that's nasty. She and Elvin would start committing armed robberies all across the United States while she was underage. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> he already, you know, she, she was 15. She fell in love with this guy, and she's mm-hmm. like, oh... How exciting. Bad boy of adventure. Yeah. She is not thinking about things rationally at all. She's thinking about things as a star-crossed 15-year-old girl would. A 15-year-old child 
with your world blinders on. Yes. I've said it before. And I have been there. I have been there uh-huh. where I thought the world, that this one person who probably wasn't good for me and probably uh-huh. was much older than I because I had a thing for older guys because guys who were our age were dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And immature, and I wasn't. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I married, came. I married a guy 10 years older than yeah. me, so I get it. You know, I was not in the league yeah. of our same age. I mean, I dated just... I dated much older, but I, I ended up marrying somebody who was only three years older, but still older. Yeah, yeah. Not, you know, my age or younger, but... <laughs> anyway, I'm just uh, saying, I know how her can be. immature mind mm-hmm. is processing things. Yep, yep. And it's just not good. Mm-mm. So, the armed robberies would land Judith in the Rome Youth Development Center in Georgia, where she would give birth to the twins she was pregnant with at the time, who were Alvin's children. So, she's like, what, 16 at this time, probably? Um, yes. Later 15, 16-ish. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I I think about 17, because I believe what I did... See, I even had to Google specific, like, when did Judith have her children? Like, they didn't even have dates. And it was still a little fuzzy because it said September 11th, 1982, when Judith was 17, because I did the math, she would have been around 16 or 17. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Alvin was 28. Okay. He impregnated her. And then this is five kids for him now. This is now, yes, because he had three before, and now he has the twins. Uh Uh-huh. And so this is why it seemed a little weird, because on the same day, the dates, I mean, the dates seemed a little weird. Okay. On the same day that she gives birth to the twins on September 11th, 1982, a staff member from the Youth Development Center, which I think I'll start calling it either just the Youth Center or the YDC, because I'm not going to say the Rome Youth Development Center. The Youth Center would be good. Yeah. So one of the staff members named Kevin Dooley reported that his home was shot up. On that day. And then the next day, on the 12th, another staff member named Linda Adair, her driveway had a Molotov cocktail thrown into it. Oh, my gosh. Now. That's no coincidence. Yeah. Both staff members reported that following the attacks, they received phone calls from a mysterious lady claiming to have been sexually assaulted at the Youth Development Center. Hmm. The Theory was that Linda had forced whoever was on the phone to do sexual things with, uh, what's the guy's name again? Kevin. Oh, okay. Huh. So just keep that in mind. Neither of the victims could identify the caller. They were just this random woman calling, you know, saying what happened. And... So then, again, no dates. Some point shortly after, Judith gets released from the youth center. I'm almost thinking it was the same day that she gave birth, but I couldn't find any concrete dates. But later on, it does talk about what happened with those the staff members. Huh. And it was the same day she, quote, gave birth. So I don't know what these dates are. If she gave birth a couple days before, if they let her out. I don't know. The timeline at all is very strange. And, and the caller, yeah, it's yeah. all... Huh, it's okay. very strange. That's usually, a lot of times, 
how the research goes. are just webs that you have to weave yeah. and you gotta find out and it's, deduce and look sometimes at. Sometimes you can't find everything. 17 other articles mm -hmm. and this is different from this article and what is the truth? It, and three of the articles are the same exact thing. <laughs> oh my god, yes. It's so annoying. Yep. So I apologize about the timeline here. It's all a big mess, but that's what I could come up with so far. All right, all right. All right. Alvin was clearly a predator, seeing how he became involved with Judith when she was 15 mm -hmm. and he was 11 years her elder. So she and Alvin developed a system where they would take two different cars, go on drives, and look for girls that Alvin would like. Okay. So somehow Judith just goes along with all this. Why are these women doing this? I don't know. And it's said later in the trial that, you know, Alvin forced Judith to do these things. He brainwashed mm -hmm. her. But it's so weird because she had no qualms about any of the stuff she was yeah, doing. She did yeah. it all with a smile on her mm -hmm. face. And it's it's just weird because you know that she was groomed in some way. Yeah, yeah. But we'll get more into that as the story develops. Okay. Apparently, and this is cringy as fuck, so be warned. Mm. Apparently, Alvin wanted virgins. And that's the type of person that they would look for. Of course he did. Yeah. Yeah. And now you have to imagine that he probably, well, in the fact that he, you know, impregnated Judith, he obviously raped her. Yeah, yeah. And she probably was a virgin also, because if that's the type of person he likes... I mean, it's just, just, it's just really, really fucking cringy and gross and nasty. Yeah, this guy's gross, guys. So, they had the CB radios in their cars. Like semis do and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They would radio to each other when they would find a girl. So that they could make a plan on where they would meet up. And How it was they were gonna get her. Well, it was always <sighs> Judith who would lure the girls. Yeah, because there's they a feel sense comfortable of, with yeah, another yep, woman. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, if you were to see, like, just so you guys know, I have a picture doc here, and uh oh, I just moved my place. It's gonna take me forever to find it. Alvin Neely is gross. He and he looks so fucking happy all the oh, time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, dude. You're nasty, man. Like, you can see how young Judith is. She's got this beautiful coiffed, like, 80s Sarah hair. Sarah <laughs> yep, yep, 70s, 80s hair. I'd say probably more 70s. But then you scroll down. Yeah, there's you know, nothing and you spectacular see about this guy. But he does look just so happy. happy. And it's just gross. Like, this Ugh. dude is gross. And do you see the picture? Where they're literally posing with a gun with a Confederate flag in the background. Oh, yeah. yep. And Judith is wearing a Confederate flag hat. Mm -hmm. And he's pointing his pistol to at her chest. Yeah, at her. So that picture. Gun safety, guys. You never point. It's literally pressed against her chest. Somebody. <laughs> and his finger is on the trigger for uh -huh. sure. Oh, yeah. But what really makes me. Yes, she's smiling in the picture. But that makes me think. Hmm. Maybe she was. Forced. I mean, I don't know, but this you guy yeah. puts guns to her chest and laughs while taking a picture with it. Mm -hmm. You would imagine that you, a fifteen-year-old girl, seventeen, you're gonna feel a little bit scared. And she's impressionable. She's yeah. impressionable. It it this kind of loosely reminds me of our episode on Colleen Stan, the girl in the mm -hmm. box, because she me felt too. comfortable 
with the fact that he had his wife and his baby. And then she also gained freedoms because... He it was, was like, like falling an imp- in love with her. Yeah, and it was an impressionable brain that he could yes. kind of mold, mold. Mm-hmm. to and his own sick fantasies. The grooming. Yes, it all comes back to grooming. Yeah. So, on September 25th, so she gets released, who knows, sometime earlier in September. We're yep. surmising yep. September 11th. On the 25th, Judith, Judith, <laughs> Judith, Judith. <laughs> Jude. I wanted to call her Judy so bad, but I have a weird thing about if, like, giving them nicknames, it makes me think, like, I'm their friend, if but if they not, already have a nickname. If it's not in the research. Right. Yeah. Well, it was in the research, but still, I don't oh, know. Oh, did they call, like. They did call her Judy sometimes. Well, a lot of times it'll say, in my research for this episode, it was like, you know, Beatrice Betty. Yeah. And it was in quotes. So then it was yeah. like, okay, most people probably called her Betty. I'm going to use Betty. That's what, I, yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's what I did with, um, you know, that's what we did with our Valentine's episode and things like yes. that. The yep, Night exactly. Stalker episode. Stuff like that. But this was just, you know, what people would call her because it's a shorter version of Judith. So exactly. I didn't want Exactly. Yep. But I mean, it would have been it would have been a lot easier, you guys, instead of saying Judith all the time. You know, my mom's <laughs> name's Judy, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Judith and Alvin on September twenty fifth. They are out on the prowl at the Riverbend Mall in Rome, and Judith spots someone she thinks Alvin will like. That girl was thirteen year old Lisa McMillican. I'm sorry, Milliken. I always want to say McMillan for something, but it's Lisa Milliken. And so now let's do the math. Uh, let's see. He's got to be like 28 or so right now to almost 29. Yeah, yep. And this is now a 13-year-old girl. Oh, no. She lived at the Harpst home. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that's how it's spelled. The Harpst home was a place for troubled young girls. And Lisa did have a history of running away. Mm-hmm. This day, though, she was only at the mall to shop. The Harpst home knew she was at the mall. They wouldn't know yet why she wouldn't come back. They just thought maybe she had run away. Ugh, that's awful. Judith approached Lisa and convinced her to get into the car. Judith then drove her to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, I believe, to a motel where Alvin was waiting for them. The Neelys at this point hold Lisa captive for, like, the next three days. Oh, She's, no. like, handcuffed to the floor. And used for sick purposes. Mm-hmm. Repeatedly. Mm-hmm. She was raped by, I believe, both of them, from what I can tell. A lot of times they do it together. Yeah, and tortured. And, you know, of course, eventually Judith's whole thing is that Alvin made her, and then they throw each other under the bus, so. Yeah, that, that'll happen, too. Who knows? Yep. So... On the 28th, so like I said, about three days later uh, of September, Judith drove poor Lisa to a nearby canyon in Fort Payne, Alabama. So they're going all over. They meet, they're in like Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama. Uh Mm -hmm. And she drives her to a nearby canyon in Fort Payne, Alabama called Litter, Little, (laughs) Litter, (laughs) Little River Canyon. Okay. She was ready to get rid of Lisa. Hmm. Okay. Judith came equipped, yes, equipped, with syringes, the liquid drain cleaner Drano, I oh, believe. Oh, God. And a gun, which they loved their guns. Of course. Sadistic ass Judith thought she could just make Lisa go to sleep 
with the injectable. With the, right. Yeah. I, I don't think, like, for some reason, she didn't. That almost makes me think, so is she being sadistic or does she just not want to see this girl's brains blown out, but she knows that she's being forced to kill her? I don't know. Uh, okay. It's hard. It's, it's hard to know. It's really hard and you'll never really know. Because I feel like there's easier ways. Yeah. I and guess. Because she wanted to, what, put her to sleep? Yeah. Okay. Chloroform. Yeah, or get a tranquilizer. Or that. You don't even need a, a, a syringe for chloroform. No, you just put it right over the mouth. Like, if but I'm I mean, using a syringe, I'm like, oh, God. I think she meant she wanted to put her to sleep. Yeah, like, if that's your kill her in a less Like, make way, her yeah. go to sleep and then but just you, die from the poison. I think you poison. can do that with chloroform, too. If you use enough of it, I think yeah. it becomes lethal and you just kind of... So, that's kind of my thought. I don't know. Are gone, but yeah. who knows? So... She took one of the syringes to the side of Lisa's neck and injected her with the drain cleaner. When that didn't work, she tried again in the other side of her neck. And when that didn't work, she tried more in Lisa's arms and her buttocks. Oh, my God. Judith waited like 35 minutes to see if it would kill Lisa. In the meantime, Lisa is alive and conscious through all of this. Terrifying. So she's feeling uh-huh. drain cleaner uh-huh. running through her veins not everywhere. Sh- not sure when is the moment she's probably going to perish. Mm-hmm. That's why Judith brought the gun. Yeah, yeah. So finally Judith realizes it's not going to work, or at least not quickly enough, because mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure eventually it would have had to have done yeah. something. That's god-awful. So she... Sh- she decides to shoot Lisa in the head, which kills her immediately. Mm-hmm. Pushes her body into the canyon below, along with all the needles. Judith also apparently gets blood on her pants Ooh. because she takes them off and tosses them over. But they get caught on like a branch sticking out from the canyon. And I'm not sure if she knows that happened or not. Like, oh, she's leaving... No, she probably literally she just doesn't kicked care. her over, kicked the needles over, and then just tossed her pants over and left. I mean, she knows that her body is going to be able to be found. In fact, well, in fact, the next day on the 29th, the oh. Fort Payne police receive an anonymous call. Because apparently Judith likes to give anonymous calls. Because she, she called anonymously about the driveways, about the mm-hmm. employees at the thing. But we don't know that's her yet. But yes, it was. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so just like, like I said, just like earlier in the story, telling them where to find, quote, a young girl's potty. Oh, my god! So gosh. she literally doesn't care about the evidence. She knows people are going to find that. She knows they're going to find the syringes. She told them where to find it. I don't know if she's wearing gloves or why they wouldn't fingerprint the syringes. Like, it seems like in none of our cases, they're taking fingerprints. This is in the 80s. Uh, yeah. They had fingerprinting. They did, but you had to have something to match it off of. Well, still try. I she know. was at the Youth Development Center when I she was know. a kid. They would have found it. They would have found. Well. And she's still underage. Who so they knows, would have found. Who knows, did they, who knows if they took fingerprints there? It was kind of like a jail. Yeah, from you're what right. The they probably that I hopefully did. did. So, they literally would have found out who it was. Who knows? Maybe she was wearing gloves. Maybe for the off chance. I'm just going to have to think of it that way. Because yeah. I don't know why none of these people are taking fingerprints ever. I know. Just take them. It's one of the easiest first things you can try to compare, at least. My sister got a kit when she was a kid where you could, like, lift fingerprints. 
I know. She was like, like eight or ten lifting fingerprints. You got dust. You got ink. You got. Oh, it was the coolest freaking thing, yeah. man. It was so cool. You put the little piece of tape over the, uh-huh. the, the dust. The little CSI case. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was cool. Love it. Love it. So the police did go out that very night, obviously. They were just told where they could find a young girl's body. And sure enough, they found Lisa's body along with the three syringes and a pair of bloody blue jeans. Mm, Boy. They figured out pretty quick through their investigation that it was Lisa Milliken because the Harps Tome did, like, they were thinking... Obviously, she didn't come home. They thought she had run away. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, they maybe have had cooperated with the police and blah, blah, blah. And they found out, okay, this is Lisa Mil- Milliken, and she did not run away from the Harps home. Yep. However, it was said that she was possibly wanting to get away from the Harps home when she met Judith. And that's maybe what she was, Judith was promising her. To get yeah, her into the car. That makes sense because um, well, it might I'll not give have been you a new life. Great and, place. And, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and the, unfortunately, the kids that grow up in those places grow up super quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They that girl was already probably an adult. She was only thirteen, and she probably yeah. already had seen. And she a probably lot of was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm just there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm there now. I get it." Now, Judith and Alvin weren't always successful in their prowling. They were super messy. They didn't ever wear masks. They didn't change their voices. They just, they, they drove around in their normal cars. I mean, it's crazy, <laughs> the audacity of these people. They would often solicit other girls and would be turned down, which happened with Debbie Smith, who I believe was also 13, the morning of October 4th. I say morning. Because the and night quick too. Yeah. The yeah, because the literally she just got rid of Lisa on just September twenty eighth. Yeah. So probably just a week. A week. So the night of October fourth, nineteen eighty two, they came across an engaged couple. Hmm. Their names were Janice Chapman and John Hancock from Rome, Georgia. <laughs> John Hancock. Yeah. Janice was twenty three years old. And I believe John was around 27. So, consensual and whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know. (laughs) They seem like a a good couple. 14 and 26. Yeah. So, (laughs) Judith claimed she wasn't from the area and needed directions. And the nice couple tried explaining it to her. But she was like, I'm not really getting it. And they're like, well, we'll just show you if you want. And so, they get in the car and show her where to go. Okay. (sighs) So... Judith started on the CB radio, referring her to herself as Lady Sundown, while she communicated with Knight Rider. Oh, come on. <laughs> come the fuck on with that shit. When Knight Rider suggests John Hancock ride with him and Janice ride with Lady Sundown. Why? They're trying to split them up because yeah. they don't want John. They no, want they Janice. But that's just... Okay. I don't. So they did, despite John Hancock's reservations about the situation, because isn't Janice a little? Oh, this is awful, but isn't she like out of their mo? You would think, of? but now they've gotten turned down several times between oh, the so last they're just thing trying and this to go. Time. Okay, they're just getting desperate, it and now seems. it's kind of like opportunity strikes. Yes, yeah. just go with it. Yeah. 
And she may have still been a virgin, you know, just because she was engaged at the time. She might have been waiting for marriage. That is very you true. Know? So maybe that it's more true. of a virginity thing. Yeah. I don't know how they would find that out if people are just willingly being like, yeah, I'm a virgin if somebody asks. Or they're just <laughs> assuming because she isn't married. Yeah. I mean, like an unwed woman. Yeah. Is, you could assume it depending on your religious yeah. background and the time period. Yeah. So... After driving around for a while, they stop again and get out of the cars. John was instructed to walk down the road away from the cars. Oh, boy. You have to think of how confused this guy was as to, like, They're what just getting directions. the hell was going yeah. on. Like, oh, yeah, okay. he was giving this person directions. Now they're switching cars. Now they're being instructed to... And they're not in the vicinity of where they were. Uh-huh. So they're like... Where are They're we? Stranded. What's going on? It's yeah. a scary moment at that point. Right. At this point, he's got to be like, what the hell is going on here? We're going to have your knuckle cracks and then my toe cracks. <laughs> I know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, knuckle and toes. Knuckle. Here we go. Yeah, there's the knuckle. There's, that's the top knuckle. Here, hold on. There's the bottom knuckle. <laughs> oh, got to crack all three in the fingers. Must not be juiced up the toe and the <laughs> a couple times. All right. So, John Hancock did what he was told. And walked, I mean, I would assume that they're being kind of threatening at this point. I oh, mean, I don't see why he would just do what, do what they were telling him. 100%. At that moment, Judith shot him in the back. Oh, my gosh. Just shot him in the back. Which was probably the plan all along. Uh-huh. I mean, who are we kidding? However, the gang immediately got back in the cars with Janice in tow and fled, not knowing that John was actually still alive. So he is a survivor. Okay. okay. All right. He was staying down and hiding until he knew it was safe to get up and get help. Smart. The Neelys brought Janice back to their motel room yet again and tortured, raped, and murdered her. Mm-hmm. I believe she was also injected with the drain cleaner because it was just a thing that they did, apparently. It's not working. Just stop. Yeah. Now I think it's fun for them. I think. I don't know. Good Lord. Okay. So during all this, when they got Janice in the motel room. Mm-hmm. The police are still trying to figure out who the mysterious caller was who reported Lisa Milliken's body. Yep, yep. And they recorded that call. Obviously, they were going to record the call of that, you know, where the girl was located. And they were playing the recorded call back for Debbie Smith. If you remember, oh. Debbie Smith is the girl who, on October 4th, the morning of, turned uh-huh. the Neelys down. Uh-huh. And she evidently went to the police with the description of Judith's car, which was like some brown car. Oh shit. At this very moment, dude, the the way the universe aligned mm-hmm. right now is just incredible because at this very moment, John Hancock had made it to the police department. And it was the same police department where Debbie Smith was being questioned and interviewed about these people. Uh-huh. He's going to match the car, isn't he? Oh, it's not the car. It's that he is walking past this room while the recording is being played. And he says, oh. that's the damn woman who shot me. Just now. Because <laughs> he could hear the voice. Yeah. So he sits down with the cops and tells them this crazy story of his night, which they had a hard time believing him until he then corroborated the makes and the colors and the models of the vehicle. Because yeah. Debbie Smith knew what kind of vehicle it mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And he did as well. So now they're like, okay, what in the fuck? So the police department doing lots of digging, find out about the Rome Youth Development Center, 
about the mysterious calls their staff had received after they were attacked. Because now they're finding all these mysterious calls. Debbie Smith and John Hancock still don't know exactly who the person was. Of course. They know yeah. what their voice sounded like, the car was, and who, like, what they looked like. Mm-hmm. But not exactly who they were. Oh, so the police department's finally corroborating with the Youth Development Center mm-hmm. and about those mysterious calls. So... The cops knew what kind of cars were involved, and the license plates were from out of state. So they asked for a list of girls that the YDC had interred at any point that were from out of state. Yeah, yeah. The YDC turns over a list with, like, 26 names on it. So through the process of elimination, the list is narrowed down. You know, they probably looked up registrations and people and whose cars were who. And... A suspect lineup is made from images. They didn't, like, bring anybody in yet. They just had a bunch of images of the remaining women that were their lineup suspects. John Hancock does point out Judith, but he says he can't be positive. But he's pretty sure this woman looks like the one who shot him. Yeah. Now, you got to imagine that was probably a couple years before because she was... So, she's a couple years older now and she might look a little bit different. A little different, And it was nighttime and blah, blah, blah. However... Debbie Smith remembered perfectly and pointed out Judith without any hesitation because it was pure day. It was morning and and Debbie had the wherewithal to say, no, I'm not coming with you. And I'm going to remember exactly what the fuck you look like, exactly what your car looks like. Little Debbie was probably, she was probably (laughs) a true crime obsessed person. Even at that time, and she knew better than to... And I feel like when you have a situation where your body reacts and you're feeling uneasy, that sticks with you. Whatever happened or wherever you were, you remember those feelings in that place. Mm-hmm. And Debbie might have had a different home situation, too. Like, yeah, it might not have been Lisa was to wanting, get away. Yeah, wanting to get away, mm-hmm. and so she didn't see anything wrong with the situation, whereas Debbie might have been taught to not talk to strangers and not get in strangers' cars and things like that. Exactly, yep. So, who knows what the home life was, but Debbie Smith knew that she was not getting in the car with them. So, the cops finally had their suspect. Now, they just needed to find her. Oh, boy. Not long after, on October 9th, Judith was arrested anyways, and I think it was, again, in Murfreesboro, for writing bad checks at the motel they'd been staying at. Oh, Jesus. And Alvin was arrested a few days later. Now, I don't mention this later on, but I guess I'm just going to throw it in. It's found out later on, I don't know, maybe a couple years later in 1984, that there was a girl who goes by Casey, who Judith had actually procured for Alvin that day. And when she was being arrested, oh. Alvin had... Casey, Casey, in the bathroom, quieting her up while the cops were there. And he was then found several days later. He let Casey go after the cops left, probably because he's not like, holy fuck. Holy crap. Yeah. 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 So she was another survivor of Alvin and Judith. This is not a long spree. No. It's just in the span of weeks. A couple weeks. She just had the babies. Yeah. And then bam, 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 bam. Like, whoa. Well, they met not long ago either. Exactly, like, yes. Jesus. I mean, whirlwind romance crazy. for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, Alvin blamed everything on Judith, Obviously. saying she is dangerous and that he was afraid of her. Oh, yeah. And that she was the one who compelled him to rape both Lisa and Janice. He then drew a map to the location of Janice's body to show that he's 
you know, cooperating and yeah, not the one who yeah, did it. Of course. I'm sorry, dude. You have now done several things. I mean, your wife was fucking 15 when you married her. Yeah. You're exactly. going to tell me you're afraid of her when yeah. you came up to her and wanted to marry her as a 26 year old man. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here you're with that shit. You're not afraid of a 14-year-old. No. Come on. It's really annoying. And he looks super fucking happy in every yeah. goddamn picture. The yeah. shit-eating grin on his face. I can't stand him. Please. Judith did admit to shooting to the shooting in the Molotov cocktail to the YDC ho- staff homes. Oh. And then she moved on to confessing about the murders of Lisa and Janice. But she did eventually reveal that... Alvin told her to shoot up the, all that, you know, do all that with the YDC staff members and then told her to, to call and lie about the sexual assault. So who knows if he did, but I mean, she literally never got in trouble before she met Alvin. And he was the one who wanted to carry out sick fantasies. And, and he's the one, and just the thought of that excuse about sexual assault and sexual uh-huh, violence. Uh-huh. And she claimed that. <clears throat> but Judith was the one carrying out the actual mm-hmm. murder aspect of it. But what better way for Alvin to try to get out of things? Oh, yeah. That's, and be cleared his name. If he has a hunch, a henchman, do it for him. It makes me think that there is that, that grooming, brainwashing type of. Yeah, it's hard not to. I mean. Mm-hmm. Judith, like I said, uh, she started confessing about the murders of Lisa and Janice. She told them every detail. Apparently, she met Lisa in an arcade at the mall where she convinced her to come along. Poor Lisa literally was just a 13-year-old girl playing in the the arcade. And it's heartbreaking. It's awful. And here's another part that will remind you of the girl in the box. Oh, boy. Judith had her two children with her all the time. Oh, Jesus. All the time. When she captured Lisa and took her Mm -hmm. to the motel, while they sexually and violently abused Lisa in the motel. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Even when Lisa took, or even when Judith took Lisa to the canyon and injected her and killed her, her children were there in the car. Dad can't fucking take them for an afternoon? Maybe she didn't want to leave them. That's true. That's true. With him. But... Maybe she was afraid he would literally rape her children. You can... You know? That's very true. So maybe she very wouldn't true. let him be... Oh, I don't know. That's just crazy. Because, yeah, this whole time I'm, like, not thinking about the kids. Yeah. The kids are fair... They're newborns. Mm, they're... Yeah, yeah. They're newborns. Yeah, they are. They're, like, three, four weeks old. Right. So, I mean, they're sleeping on the back of the car. They're not really going to know what's going mm-hmm. on. But still. Yeah, it's still fucked up. So you don't do that up. stuff, man. Get a babysitter before you go murdering. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Or don't go murdering. Or just don't. Yeah. <laughs> While Judith confessed, the police went looking for Janice's body where Elvin said she would be. And, of course, they found her. They also went to Judith's mother's house where the two of them were staying prior to the murders. Okay. And found two CB radios, knives, handcuffs, and several guns. Oh, boy. Because they just loved them so much. No Drano and syringes? Nope, because they probably ran out. Probably. <laughs> probably used it all. Yeah. It's disgusting. So bad. During the trial, Judith's defense lawyer, Bob French, goes on that, again, Judith was pretty much groomed and brainwashed by Elvin. This is the defense that her lawyer took on. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, and that clearly Alvin was already an ex-con when he met Judith. He was clearly a pedophile for marrying Judith while she was underage and having the same fascination with most of the people they took or tried to take and killed because yeah. all the other girls they tried to solicit were younger mm-hmm. except for Janice who was who was of age and over age. Three different girls, including Debbie Smith, testified at the hearing. Oh, wow. Claiming that Judith had tried to get them to come along with her as well. John Hancock testified as well as Joanne Browning, who was Alvin's first wife. Oh, shit. She's coming out of the woodworks. She testified that Alvin had beaten her over 800 times, even while she was pregnant with their Mm -hmm. children, and tried to rape her teenage sister. Oh, no. Alvin's defense team pretty much called her a straight-up liar and berated her until she left the bench in tears and upset. So they totally victim-blamed and shamed. the 80s. When, oh my God, it's probably true, but they said that they never saw any evidence and that the children were never beaten, so that's probably nothing and blah, blah, blah. They literally excused away everything. Of course they did. This trial was fairly ridiculous because Judith and Alvin and their defense lawyers were literally just there throwing each other under the bus left and right. That's all it was, was nobody was confessing to anything. They were just, except for Judith, I mean, she did, but then they just started, no, it was his fault. It was Pointing fault. the finger. It was his fault. It was yeah. fault. Yep. You know, when they both were there doing it. Uh-huh. So just convict them. Exactly. Like, he said, she said bullshit. Exactly. So, Judith did say that she was pretty much Alvin's slave. She said that she would bathe him, cook for him, and feed him, comb his hair, do his work at convenience stores, because I guess he, was like, worked at some convenience store. You can just have somebody go in for your shift. Okay. Who knows? Cool. <laughs> Unless he owned them. And oh, maybe. And do the chores. If she didn't do the chores or did them wrong... He would beat her. Mm-hmm. But then again, they also said there's no evidence, there's no bruises, you don't look like you were beaten, whatever. Master abusers do it in places where they might be shit seen. Well, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's why kids so oftentimes are looked over in school because the parents will leave it, leave the bruises underneath clothing, clothing. Yep. and yep. stuff like that, and yep. so teachers can't see what's going on and, and do their due and diligence and it would be and a report. problem if they did see where that bruise was. Yeah, like, exactly. Why, why did you see that? But if a child is complaining, ow, 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 every time they move, it's like, okay, what's going on? You what's need to go to the on? nurse yeah. and, and hopefully they can take care of it that way because yeah. Yeah. they do. The, like you said, the master abusers, they know where to do it. And yeah. it's, it's and how to get away scary with it. and terrifying and oh, awful. It's awful. Honestly, I don't know what to believe with this case. I do know, like we said, some sort of grooming was involved. Mm-hmm. You know, while Judith didn't have a great home life before Alvin, she was not committing robberies, armed robberies, kidnappings, or murdering anybody. No. And by the time she was doing this, she was only like 17 or 18 years old. Holy shit, dude. So she's losing her whole entire life before her life has even begun. Yeah, she's still in prison. Of course. Fuck. So on April 18th, 1983, when Judith was 18 years old, the judge sentenced her to death by electric chair in Alabama. While Judith was in jail this time, she gave birth to she and Alvin's last child. 
So now oh, so she got pregnant like right after yeah. the twins, basically. Yeah, all three of their children have been born in prison now. Okay. Oh yeah, because she was she at had the twins. detention center before. Yeah. And then this one's now being born in literal <sighs> oh, prison. Oh my gosh. Judith was afraid of receiving two death sentences and pled guilty to the kidnappings and murders, like I said, and agreed to testify against Alvin. Mm-hmm. And Alvin did the same because he was afraid of Judith's testimonies. Yeah, and what she could say. Plea deal against plea deal. Mm-hmm. Alvin received two consecutive life sentences, and he later died in prison serving his time due to surgical complications in 2005. So, Bye. Let's see. He probably would have been... I don't know. I didn't do the math. He was born in 53. 40. I'm close to 50. Yeah, 40 something probably. Over the years, Judith, of course, appealed over and over and over again because that's just what they do. They're able to do what they fucking do. Mm -hmm. I guess when you don't have a lot, you know, you got a lot of time on your hands. Uh huh. Why not write out an appeal document? (laughs) She lost each time. Good. Finally, she claims that she had been turning over a new leaf and was now born again into Christianity, of course. Always how it goes. Yep. Pencil tucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, Although she did change a oh, lot. Oh, yeah, she did. And I oh, felt yeah. horrible about oh, her God. death her in that death show. Her death was awful. I sobbed. I did, too, because Hers I... Hers was right up there with Pousset for me. Like, yeah. I... I hated her. It's because they did such a great character mm-hmm. arc. Like, mm-hmm. I hated her in the beginning. Oh, yeah. And then she rotten. really did try to change. Yeah, yeah. And yep, she then that happened. sober. And, she yeah. Tried, oh, that so was just awful. And I told you. I told you. I'm like, watch out because this is going to happen and it's awful. It was bad, man. So, yeah. So, luckily for her, the judge at the time of her born again-ness was also very Christian because, of course, they're in the South. Yeah, yeah. And on January 15th, he commuted her sentence to life in prison without possibility of parole instead of the chair. All right. All right. That must have changed at some point. I don't understand because she was up for parole in 2018, huh. which I don't understand because he literally commuted her sentence to prison without possibility of parole. So I don't understand what happened in between. I, I found no information on that. Huh. And... In 2018, like I said, Judith was up for parole. She waived her consideration. Oh. I'm going to quote her reasoning why now from an article on the Dayton Daily News site. Okay. Quote, although I am grateful for the opportunity to demonstrate how much God has changed my heart and life over the past 36 years, I know that now is not the right time. Neely wrote in a letter reported by AL.com. Quote, in order to spare the Millican family the pain and trauma of having to attend the hearing, I have agreed to waive my right to be considered for parole at this time. I will continue to pray daily for God's forgiveness and pray for peace for the Millican family. Wow, that's huge. It was a really heartfelt, I feel, thing to say. I because don't know it if... wasn't about her either. Right. She knew the pain that she brought to this family, and she knew that digging up those old wounds was going to be awful. So mm-hmm. why even do it? And she did mm. just want to try to, like, make her go to sleep. Yeah, I know. It's it's, so it's hard. It's really difficult to say, you know. I believe she was groomed. And everything that came after that was due to having this narcissistic, abusive man who took her childhood. I mean, exactly. He stole her childhood. And in that one picture, the gun is pressed against her chest like uh-huh. it's a game. Uh-huh. Yeah. You have to imagine the type of Russian roulette he'd play with her every time he would get angry. Who knows 
the type of relationship she was seeing. You don't know the right type of relationship right off the bat. That was some like people, her first one. Some people just have bad relationship after bad relationship. Yeah. After, like it. Unfortunately, that happened. So maybe she just thought this was normal. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to serve my husband. I have to get him something to fulfill his desires because I'm not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it, I don't know. But I do like, like you said, how she didn't talk about how she deserves to get out, blah, 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 but she'll wait. She talked Mm -hmm. about how in order to spare them pain and trauma of having to attend the hearing, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to do it. And so uh, Judith is up for parole again in 2023. Okay. So just two more years. John Hancock, the victim who was shot by Judith and survived, uh, he doesn't ever want her getting out, obviously. Yeah. Because she didn't mention anything in here about... For, so the reason why she didn't mention, she only mentioned Lisa in that quote mm-hmm. because while she is up for parole here, if she gets out. She'd have to go to trial. She's going to Georgia or wherever she had killed Janice because they're taking her after. So she's going to be in prison no matter what. Even if she gets paroled here for Lisa's case, the next place is picking her up and they're extraditing her so that she can serve uh-huh. her time for Janice's case. Which, why didn't they just do that right after, like they did with Ted Bundy? Well, actually, John Hancock said that he wanted, he felt that Lisa, while he was terribly upset what happened by Janice, mm-hmm. you know, Lisa was this child. I mean, obviously, yeah. that case was, was more harrowing. And he wanted her to be able to just stay there and serve that well. And it's also that factor of if if they're going to extradite you, they're going to tack on to what you're already pretty much serving. Mm-hmm. So there could have been that chance that she got out anyway, and then when mm-hmm. she got out, she's just scot-free. Mm-hmm. So this could be that insurance of even if she's paroled, we can still get her. Yeah, yeah. So he said that when he was walking away and he heard this shot, he literally took a life-saving step to his left. Just, like, a quick step to his left. Oh, so it just grazed. And that's what saved his life. I guess guess he was in the military at one point and was taught that in the military. And that's a statement he said before Judith's parole hearing. Like, that's his thing that saved his life was that he just literally took a step to the left. And then, yeah, crazy. Yeah, because I guess they would know where those organs and where to not get shot. Mm -hmm. I guess while in prison... Before Judith turned over a new leaf, she and one of her prison mates planned a suicide pact. But it didn't work on Judith. I do believe the other inmate died. So I feel like it was Judith doing one of these things where she was like, I'm going to, well, let's kill ourselves. And then like, huh, just kidding. Now you're dead and I'm not. That's fucking awful. Who knows what Judith, like maybe she knows she's a lifer in prison and she's got to like rise up that hierarchy or something and I don't know but it was or just like a sick entertainment exactly like oh I'm bored to today let's fuck things up yeah. oh my god pretty sketchy oh my god so that's it for Judith and Alan Neely I mean or Alvin Neely Judith and Alvin Neely it's not a name you say very often really Alvin Alvin yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah uh, that's for such a short span of time holy fuck i know it's a lot yeah yeah 
I was shocked by it. I was shocked by the Drano stuff. I was just like... Yeah, yeah. And then, again, we always have these conflicting cases. How do you... How does this case make you feel, listeners? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you... What conclusions do you draw from this case? Do you think... Do you think that Judith was the first victim of Alvin and a continued victim of Alvin? Or even the second because his first wife Right, exactly. She would have been the second. Yeah, or who knows how many. And even their sister apparently was sexually abused by him. Like, mm -hmm. good lord, dude. So, let us know your comments. We thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button as well as the little bell so you get notified whenever we have new content. Um, We are on now our 21st episode and literally by the time it's released, we will have over a thousand downloads officially. Yay! We are stoked as hell. Hell Thank you all. (laughs) A ton for your support. Yeah. Thank you all a ton for continued listening. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to continue to thank you all. <laughs> um, if you would like to follow us on Facebook, you can now leave reviews and recommendations there yep. as well as on Apple. But if you want to do that on Facebook, it can be at More Than Murder. And if you wanted to go to Twitter and give us a follow there, which is kind of fun because Twitter, you just. Is Twitter. You can find us there <laughs> at more than underscore murder. And Insta is fun also because Jenna shares our blog articles and pictures there as well as to Twitter. So you can find us there at more than murder pod. And if you just want to say hi, send us your ghost stories, please, so we can put that on our YouTube mm-hmm. or anything else. If you just want to give feedback, or let us know, like I said, how this case makes you feel. Yep. You can email us at the Gmail. At the Gmail. At morethanmurderpod dot, never mind, morethanmurderpod at gmail.com. <laughs> and we'll see y'all later at the live. Yes, we will. Thank you again. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.